Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, I'm your host, Captain Sabriel Masson. And join with me, as always, usually, sometimes, my co-host, Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. Hello, Ken. Hello, Captain Sabriel. We, here we are at the end of the road not taken. Uh, we are here to talk about The Last Generation, but before that, I think we have some news. Uh, particularly, we got a trailer for Strange New Worlds Season 2, or a teaser. That's a trailer. It's true, and I haven't watched it because, as you know, I hate spoilers. <laughs> oh, man. You're missing some good times. Like, you're going to see Pike is coming back? Right. What? Spoiler. We're getting uh the doctor. What? Not the doctor. The, the doctor. Wait, no. Doctor who? Uh, no, 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 not a doctor. Uh no, no. Mabenga's coming back. We got Hulk crew's coming back. Uh and so or are they? And uh you're gonna have a good time. Well, we know that you know, it's been almost a year since I've seen the show, so I've already forgotten all the characters' names. Uh we know that one of the characters went off to help some orphan find her parents. And we also know that number one got arrested. So we know from the previous clip from season two that the person has finished helping the orphan has come back. Uh, but now you're saying everybody's come back. So number one as well. Like, I, like me and dude, what did what? Gal, what did what? Um, Khan. Yeah. Noonie and uh, Singh. Uh-huh. uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, she's probably coming back. Uh, we, we know she is, but what about number one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Probably coming back. Probably. Okay. <laughs> um, who knows in what capacity? I'm not telling you. <sighs> Tease. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Uh, and we also got some information oh, yeah. about Section 31. Oh, yes. We got a Paramount Plus movie coming out uh, starring Michelle Yeoh. I wonder if this is instead of the Section 31 series. I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, I, they probably were very non-committal. If we look back in the language, maybe we all assumed it was going to be a show. Hmm. Maybe they did say show. Maybe we all assumed it. Uh, we're all good at giving our own best hopes up. <laughs> I mean, if what they said was Section 31 spinoff, then this fulfills that promise. I haven't gone back to look at the original language. But a movie, a movie is just 50% longer than an episode. Yeah, maybe it's all we need. A lot of people are honestly. A lot of the community really hates Section Thirty One. They don't find it interesting at all. I don't like how open they were about it in Discovery because this is supposed to be like subterfuge and clandestine, and it was just out in the open on Discovery. That was weird. Uh, I mean, I would say don't put the DS Nine values on a show that takes place a couple hundred, a hundred years ago before that. I'll do what I want. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Oh man, there is one thing I really wish I could tell you about Strange New Worlds trailer. Um, I won't. Uh, that's all the news I got. Yeah, I think that's all I got, except that Picard is done. It's f- it's complete. It's final. Yeah, I I was kind of dreading that the finality of it, not the final episode, but the finality, the fin- you know, the finality of the f- series finale. Yeah, when TNG went off the air back in 94, we knew that we were going to be getting movies. And we got four movies. 
and now we probably will not get a TNG movie. We'll probably not get another series. We probably won't get a reboot. Like this really is the end. And maybe we already thought that when Nemesis came out, but yeah, there's, there's no more after this. The last generation. The last generation. Yeah. Uh, These characters still, it was, these characters could still show up, but they won't be in their own thing. Probably. Right. Yeah, I mean, you had mentioned last week that this episode would likely create a lot of opportunities for spinoffs. And Mm -hmm. that is true. And we will talk more in detail about that. But I think this was also a passing of the torch in much the way that we didn't see the TNG cast do so in the movies. Because, yeah, I mean, there was no Next Generation. They didn't set that up with that purpose. Other than if you consider like the brief TNG DS9 crossovers. Right. Uh, And DS9 and Voyager. That was the only torch bearing that it did. Yeah. And then Riker showed up briefly on Voyager and Enterprise, but Mm -hmm. that, that whole Enterprise finale was a disappointment. I think everybody knows that now. (laughs) Unlike this one, should we get to it? We probably have a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me back up a bit. Something I should have said last week is the cast of this show spent eight episodes protecting Jack from the changelings, from the Shrike. You know, the changelings wanted to get him and hand him over to the Borg. We didn't know that at the time, but that was their goal. And we spent eight episodes protecting him and preventing that from happening. And then as soon as Jack finds out he has Borg technology in him, he hands himself over. He undoes everything that everybody was fighting for, for eight episodes. And, you know, he... Well, he, ha- yeah, I mean, he has his reasons and whether or not we agree with them, they are reasons. But, you know, in hindsight, I, I, I didn't realize how disappointed I was in him when you and I last spoke. But I am disappointed in him. Not going to lie. Even after all 10 episodes, I still don't care about Jack slash Fox one bit. I don't care about him at all. Did you say Jack slash Fox? Yeah, it says his Borg name. Oh, Vox. Right. Sorry. Yeah, gotcha. Um, also, he when, when they were analyzing his DNA last week, they said, oh, Locutus was a receiver. That's why they could hear his voice after all this time. Whereas Jack, he's a transmitter. But Jack could also read people's thoughts and know like to touch their hand when he was hitting on them. Oh, yeah, so he was, he, was, he was a sender and a receiver. He was both. I hadn't thought of that. Huh. Yeah. Oops. And one more thing about the show as a whole, all 10 episodes. Uh, In some of the previous podcast episodes, I had mentioned, oh, they probably did the intro credits at the end just for the first episode. They'll probably move to the beginning eventually. And they didn't, which I didn't realize until like this week that them keeping the credits at the end actually solved a problem I was having. You and I have talked about how I often skip the credits because it says who the guest stars are and it ruins the Uh surprise. I thought so, that was um, the very first episode. <laughs> Ken's gonna some, love this. Yeah, for some reason I I didn't realize it, but imagine if, like, in episode six or whatever it was, if the show had opened with guest starring Professor Moriarty, you know, like mm-hmm. that would not have been fun for us. So, I'm I'm really glad that they moved the credits to the end, and I'm really glad that they kept them there. Yeah, they definitely did that on purpose too. Like, very a lot of thought went into that. Good on them. Yes. Yes. Okay, so that, that's all me catching up on stuff that I should have said before. Where would you like to start with this week? Right away at the beginning, I do not expect 
a, an appearance by Walter Koenig. Yeah, yeah. I, when I was listening to his voice, it was, as you uh, said, it was a verbal appearance only. And I wasn't clear if it was the character from TOS, but eventually he said, like, if my father was here. So I assume it's Chekhov Jr. Oh, yeah, because uh, Walter Koenig's voice or character is Pavel Chekhov. This is Anton Chekhov, a nod to Anton Yeltsin, who died. Anton Yeltsin. Anton um, from the movies. I didn't realize that. I knew that the name Anton was a Star Trek name. And I just, without thinking, thought it was Chekhov's name. But you're right, of course. It's Pavel Chekhov. So you're right. This isn't even Junior. This is the next generation. Yeah, I see Yeltsin. <laughs> Yeltsin. <laughs> Anton Yeltsin. That's really cool. I'm glad that they they did that in that way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, I was a nice little surprise and a nice little nod. Another nod there to Anton. Especially in an episode called The Last Generation. I mean, you can't get much more Last Generation than right. those old scientists. Right. right. <laughs> TUS, I know. Yeah. TUS. Um, uh, that's, uh, that was really cool. Uh, it just like, blew me away right away. And then one of the uh, characters said, if Earth... Oh, I think that was Crusher who said, if Earth falls, everything falls. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's a little anthrocentric. <laughs> I kind of giggled at that scene. Like everyone, like, oh wait, we have to do our um, our uh, oh, what's the word? Our exposition. Everyone had their one line to tell us what we might have forgotten since the last episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the setup for this one. It just it makes you giggle. But I can also imagine the like the the council on Vulcan hearing her say, "If Earth falls, everything falls," and the Vulcan's like, uh, "Excuse us, we matter <laughs> <Andorians>. too." Like, if Vulcan falls, nobody gives a shit. If Andoria falls, whatever. But if Earth falls, that's that's the end game right there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and clearly, it doesn't matter, because when they left the Federation in the future, Federation is still around. Yeah, we know that everything's going to be fine. But, um, I, except maybe for Romulus. <laughs> right. Which is not Federation, uh-huh. but... Let's see. I just got, I, I'm scrolling through the uh, memory alpha here. Like Worf says, space dock, defenses, and eh, space dock. You know what? Honestly, the first two thirds of this episode was all action movie. We got our quips, our one liners. Um, like, 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 and that will make it a threesome. Do you even hear yourself right now? Uh, <laughs> I love that Riker and the writers for this show can inject levity even in those dark moments. I that's not something we ever would have seen in TNG or even DS9. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, that was. I mean, and that's kind of what you have to do in those hard moments, too. I mean, it feels like that's good writing. Mm. Like horror movies use it all the time. There's humor in between all the scary stuff, you know? Um, or like when our characters are about to die, like, <laughs> and like Riker grabs the sword and he just falls. And then he's like, no, the hilt. And he pulls out, there's a phaser. The phaser and you didn't use it? Sword's fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, those are great moments. But like, the, first, the first two thirds of this episode, we're all action. I'm clear with it. I had fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have a lot of emotional stake in it, and I, I didn't care one bit about Jack slash Fox still. Mm. Well, you know, regarding the uh, action sequences, we were right about the space dock not being part of fleet formation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. space dock, yeah. though, has some impressive defenses. If it can, right? you know, put away an entire <laughs> fleet. I thought that was good. Like, I was like, wow, it's still standing when they got back. Yeah, and I didn't realize that the space dock seemed to be controlling a force field around the planet Earth. Yeah, uh, it's never come up before until it was needed. 
I know that it came up in Discovery when they went to the future and tried to go back to Earth and there were planetary defenses, but yeah. I'd, I'd never seen it here. I have to assume that the shields, I think in Discovery, the Earth shields were up by default. And I think in uh, Picard, they probably only go on when under attack. Yeah. Uh, in DS9, they were mentioned of planetary defenses for Earth when the Dominion attacked Earth, but uh, we never got to see that, I don't think. Remind me, in DS9, I know that the Changelings infiltrated Starfleet. Was there an actual, like, Dominion ships attacking the planet? Yeah. Um, when the Breen joined, their first thing was to attack San Francisco. Oh, gosh. Okay. I kind of They all died. That. On the, they all were destroyed there, but you see, like, the San Francisco bridge all beat up and everything. and <laughs> Beat up. <laughs> Poor San Francisco bridge. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I thought it was interesting that fleet formation only affects line of sight. (laughs) Because they were saying that, oh, the Enterprise D, it's the only ship that isn't connected to this new fleet formation. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Any ship that didn't show up for Frontier Day would be unaffected as well. They just couldn't go into the solar system. So so when Seven said, we are the last of Starfleet, we are Starfleet. I was like, well, there's also that ship over in the Beta Quadrant. I'm sure they're fine. Oh, 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 I guess, see, I just assuming, like, they said all of Starfleet is here. Um, right. And so, eh, right. And there's, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm inclined to agree and take that literally, and that there are no ships yeah. in the Beta Quadrant, but if, for example, they decided, you know what, we really can't leave the neutral zone undefended, let's leave one ship right. out there, you know, if they did that, they didn't say that they did, but if they did, yeah. then that one ship is fine. And they got more member, the Federation has thousands of ships in it that aren't Starfleet. Which is hard, because the show is always about what the Starfleet aspect of it. No mm-hmm. matter how much they say Federation slash Starfleet, it's easy to kind of combine the two because they're the most prominent force in there. And so, I guess, okay, sure, the rest of the Federation was on duty that day. <laughs> like, that's tr- okay. <laughs> that's true. What the Borg assimilated wasn't the UFP, it was Starfleet. Yeah. You know, a big difference. Starfleet is... A- I, w- I would hope the minority of the UFP. Hmm. I don't know. Humans like to populate. <laughs> yeah. It was cool that they got to use the cloaking device again for more significant use because previously, like, they popped in by days from station, cloaked for like five seconds, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So here it actually had more plot relevance as opposed to just being, oh, a cool callback to the one with the whales. Yeah. Um, I like how I kind of like. Oh, let's, I'm just jumping ahead. Uh, let's see. Um, that was neat. And they also said like they're using the algorithm to track us. I'm like, well, then don't be predictable. I like. Yeah, I was wondering how do you, how can you tell that? How do you know exactly what method they're using to track you? Uh, I mean, the computers, I guess, at this point. Uh, I mean, Seven would have also know like what's going on with the synchronization. She's been working Starfleet for a bit. So mm-hmm. she would have some details, but I was just like, okay, sure. Uh, I'll just sit back and enjoy the ride. Yeah. <laughs> it was impressive. However, that they were able to reclaim as much ship functionality as they did because they locked the transporter room. They were able to broadcast messages. They activated the cloaking device. These are all things that the collective had not assimilated. Uh-huh. Very convenient. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well, it's, it's a thing. They also weren't assimilating ships. Or assimilating in the sense that we used to. They weren't assimilating, period. Um, That's true. It was just a technological takeover, not a 
transformation. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, and we still don't really know how they did that. Like we know that like uh, the transporter DNA changeling jack transmission, but we don't know fleet formation equals assimilation. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of implied stuff there. Changelings hmm. have been working for a while. Who knows their evil machinations? Mm. Um, just a lot of implication there without actually telling us. Yeah. You just you put the pieces together, and I don't need the pieces together. I'm like, okay, sure. You you somehow contrived everyone to get all the ships together and to use this new UI. You got you convinced Shelby this is an awesome idea. <laughs> well, it's just funny because we had all, all those lines of exposition at the beginning of the episode, and now here are all these things you and I are saying like they didn't spell these other things out. So I wonder how they decide, oh, you know, the audience needs to be told this, but they can infer that. Yeah, that's true. I wonder I wonder what the, well, how I wonder what that selection process is like. <laughs> I would not want to be in that writer's room because I'd just be like, no, no. <laughs> uh the chef is actually a pretty good pilot. Yeah. Yeah. I loved how he was just rambling about his cousin got a hernia and he had to run the deli and whatever. And I was reminded very much of Mott from TNG, the barber. You know, who showed up in multiple episodes, but he was not a main character, but he was very memorable. Yeah. Um, and we got to see Dr. Oak. I thought she would disappear. Like, why did they get rid of their chief medical officer? And all of a sudden here she's back again. running. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, I like I recognized her from previous episodes, but I forgot who she was. But that was cool. I like the uh, cross training that these cast members have. Uh huh. Let's hmm. see. Uh, we found out where Jack ran to. wasn't very far at all. Uh, <laughs> Jupiter. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember where the Enterprise, not the Enterprise, where the Titan was when he ran away. I don't think it. we knew. I don't think it mattered. But yeah, just a transwarp conduit in Jupiter. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, who's Is, going in there, really? So in the 2009 reboot film in the Kelvin universe... Uh-huh. Was Jupiter also the planet that start that the Enterprise warped into, and we saw it making a dramatic rise out of the clouds, or was that Saturn? Uh, I remember that. I thought it was Saturn. Sounds familiar, but I know what you're talking about. I just can't picture what it was. Real quick, off top. Yeah, of we have point being we have some very convenient planets in our solar system. <laughs> we do. Uh, there's lots of people could just hide out there. Uh, mm. You know, we've had like, in the past. We talk about places like Jupiter Station. And what not existing. And so um like, okay, no one noticed the board cube shoving its nose out the big red spot. Sure. Okay. Well, it wasn't there until it started transmitting and until Jack showed up. Yeah. Now at that point every all eyes were on Frontier Day and they weren't scanning the solar system, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe uh-huh. there was, you know, whenever convenient and needed, there's interference. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Um Got to see the big swirly thing that I mentioned last week. Like, what was that big thing? It's like, oh, this is our plot point to blow up. Uh, uh, the big swirly green thing. Yeah, I'm glad we got to see the heart of the board cube, which is their their beacon, as they call it. And I guess that's also why there are all these pointy things sticking out the side of the board cube. Those were like the antenna. antennas. Uh-huh. Right. Because, you know, that's how Borg work is on radio frequencies. Uh-huh. Why not? Uh, it gives us a visualize okay yeah so it's clearly a transmitter uh i guess so cool um i know i kind of feel like i'm dumping on it but i actually really enjoyed this episode a lot uh i had fun how about that um, you know that's that's the first i've heard you say that when you were saying like oh it was all action movie blah 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 i, I didn't think i the way you were sort of dismissing it i thought you didn't enjoy it 
No, no, no. I spent more, like, I didn't have a lot to talk about in the first two thirds, other than there's quips, there were some funny things, kind of neat things, but the real meat of the episode was the last third of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I I didn't time exactly where it happens, but when they divide the TNG crew, three people mm-hmm. go down to the cube and four people stay on the ship. I, you know, I very much empathize with Data in that moment because in Star Trek First Contact, he was partly assimilated, and I suspected that his presence on the board cube would be invaluable. As it turned out, you know, none of this episode would have been possible without him piloting the ship. But I was surprised when they said, no, Data, we need you here on the ship, because I really thought he would go down to the board cube, too. Um, and yeah, it turned out, I mean, everybody's skills got useful here. Like, Data, I, sh- I love this pattern they showed. I'm like, someone's got to walk that? I'm like, no. They're like, someone's got to fly that. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, we got to have our own trench run. Uh, yes. To see, to see the Enterprise fly like that. Yeah, this was just like in Return of the Jedi when they went through the fully functional or fully operational Death Star. We've never seen the Enterprise D move like that. And that, so I watched this episode last night, Hello from Australia. And it was just this morning that I remembered throughout the entirety of TNG, they weren't using CGI for the ships, they were using models. Uh-huh. And so this is the first time we've seen a CGI version of the Enterprise D. And that is why this is the first time we've seen it move like that, because they couldn't move a physical prop like that before. The closest we had before was like um, a few scenes stand out to me. One was uh, in Relics, when they need to get by the Gentleman, uh, it's blocking the shield in the Dyson Sphere, they turn it sideways. <laughs> uh, I think there was an episode where um, I think uh, it spins, or they have like, a, they filmed it going very slow, so like it's speeded up, so it looks like it's spinning away. But um, uh, on a few occasions, like mm-hmm. uh, the visual of me going slowly around in circles with my finger. Um, uh, but yeah, we really couldn't get that before. It was really cool, especially the ending when they they did the um, what felt like Star Trek: The Experience experience, where the Enterprise has this butt coming in, flying overhead of the board chamber there, and then like flies overhead, slides in, mm-hmm. and the crew off and boof out. <laughs> Except that scene, I feel like it took them a long time to get that transporter lock. <laughs> I felt like those four <laughs> people on the board cube were just looking up for a long time. You know, I think that I, I was hoping that they used that, you know, that, that they call it the holodeck set where they actually filmed, like, like made the Enterprise so the crew could actually see what the Enterprise above them. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I hope they did that so they could actually see and react to that because it was so cool. When you say the holodeck set, you mean the technology they used to film the Mandalorian? Yeah, they use that in Star Trek too. Oh, cool! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they call it the holodeck. Uh, colloquially, it actually has a real name, but uh. which is a little confusing when talking about a Star Trek episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they they use it on Discovery. I hope they used it on this episode, but uh, they're filming in LA, so maybe they didn't. We'll see. Because uh, I they're, think all that stuff is in Canada. Oh, the Canadians get the holodecks before we do. Yeah. I don't know why. That that's not fair. <laughs> I mean, it's been a few years. They probably have some in LA now. <laughs> but Canadians are supposed to be nice and share stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, like maple syrup. <laughs> Swords are fun. I thought, like, the only person I thought I was kind of worried about losing was Worf when he kept getting shot by the Borg zombies. Yeah, there was a scene where both Borgs were just shooting at point blank and they cut away. And I thought to myself, how is Worf just not being pummeled by that? Fortunately, he had gotten behind some cover, but 
yeah, that did not look promising for our favorite Klingon's <laughs> fate. Uh, and then zombie Borg are creepier than Borg Borg. Yeah. So we know that the Borg have not been heard from in 10 years. But this seems almost like a direct follow-up to what Admiral Janeway did to them in Endgame, which was back 100%. in 2001. 100%. Janeway did basically defeat the Borg. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder what the last instance of Borg encounter was like 10 years ago, because 10 years ago would have been 12 years after Janeway poisoned them. And a uh, prodigy happened in there somewhere. Um, oh, that's uh, right. The, the Borg are in there. Uh-huh. I forgot about that. Uh-huh. They had a Borg episode. So all we know is at that point, the Borg were dwindling more and more and more and more. Wow. And so, this reminded uh, yeah. me, I think it was the movie Alien 3. Never did see where, it, know about it. Well, the, the, the Alien Queen, you know, I mean, historically, the reproduction cycle of the Alien, capital A, is face hugger, implant egg into a human new alien pops out and in alien three the uh, the, uh, alien basically integrated with some human dna so that they can directly procreate without Mm -hmm. the human as an intermediary host and it sounds like that's what the borg queen wanted in this episode was the ability to procreate and evolve as opposed to assimilate yeah that's what she said which is weird because now I'm envisioning all those unfortunate 25-year-old Starfleet cadets being assimilated, and the goal is for them to get pregnant? <laughs> Sounds like uh, some fanfic ready to be written, Ken. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I know what's going to happen, but I don't want to read it, and I don't definitely don't want to write it. <laughs> that is not my jam. All right, it'll be up to me. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Have had it. <laughs> and, this was, it. and this was where the transporter law cast divided. <laughs> Join Sabriel's new podcast next month. <laughs> Smut Trek. Um, <laughs> let's see. But uh, Zombie Borg Queen. Mm. Really terrifying. Um, it was voiced by Alice, but played by someone else. Who got the Jane podcast. Edwina Seymour. Yeah. Is the body double. Yep. Top of my head. But uh, <laughs> wow, what a creepy, creepy look. Yeah, yeah. She was... Anima- mostly animatronic, I presume? Uh, I don't know. So it had someone in there at some point. So. Yeah. I mean, Jane Edwina Seymour was the body double, according to the credits, but I don't know that she was actually like up on stage moving, because that, that thing did not look alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the point. It was cool to see the Alice Craig Borg Queen again. She was still evil. Uh, she thought she, she was the mother. This very fits like queen, the imagery, queen, um, uh, the hive thing, uh, everything kind of fit there. And um, man, this is a long plan. Like one day, I hope John Luke will have a kid. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's one of you know, like many irons in the fire. They ho- you know mm-hmm. put this plan into effect, hoping maybe someday they would be able to use it. And if not, it's fine because the Borg are at that point in the Borg's of uh, timeline when Locutus was created. The Borg were on the upswing, like they were assimilating left and right. They didn't expect they would ever need a transmitter. So this was just sort of a, hey, if we can add this to our arsenal, that would be great. But yeah, I got to wonder, it kind of dismisses the value of the mother's DNA. You know, like, I, I assume that whatever they implanted in Locutus was 
engineered to be genetically dominant, so fine. But did it matter with whom Picard had a kid? <laughs> no, I don't think so. They didn't care about that part. Yeah, and from the Borg perspective, that makes total sense. But from a you know social justice warrior perspective, I was I'm like, oh, the woman doesn't matter. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's biology, I guess. <laughs> yeah, as engineered by a cybernetic organism. Right. Yeah. Um, then the latter third of the movie, unless there's anything more you want to add in there, let's see. I mean, I might come back. What's that? I might come back to something. I don't know, but okay, yeah, okay. Uh, let's uh, talk about the last third. Oh, so Vox looked like a 1990s Borg. <laughs> yeah, I think that yeah. was intentional. Yeah, I mean, he. I don't even know why they felt the need to put a suit on him because he did not appear to be biologically modified. Like he didn't have an mm-hmm. eye implant or anything. He had the little red laser, like Locutus uh-huh. had, but that was totally for Locutus effect. Like you're just like dad. Oh, Locutus Jr. Uh, oh, we got to see Jean-Luc shove a Borg thing in his neck. Like, okay, <laughs> I guess I guess the Golem has no problem connecting to this interface as well. Yeah, I mean, he's a positronic being, so of course he can interface. And I, I thought that was weird when Crusher said, some part of you must still be compatible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? And also, you would think that the Borg Queen, even if her cube is dying, would still have some control over her ship. And like, I can't imagine somebody going to the board cube and saying like, assimilate me. And the cube is like, no, you are insufficient. You will be inferior to our collective. And the, and the person is like, I don't care. I'm going to get assimilated anyway. Jackson. It's like, <laughs> you would think that the cube could say, uh, let's cut off this interface. Let's right. not have this drone <laughs> interact with us. See, the board never learned their own lesson about network and connectivity. It's true. It's true. You, you they learned it. Well, I, I guess that even goes back to Hugh because he introduced individuality into the Borg cube and they should have quarantined him, recognized that he was uh, not the kind of drone they wanted in their collective and cut him off. And they couldn't do that with Hugh. They couldn't do it with Locutus in this episode. Yeah. Oh, Here. Queen said she worked with the changelings because they understood losing the generation to Starfleet as well. Like, okay. Um uh, it's a little weird, but hey, villains got to work together. I still don't know, understand talking floating head thing and how she can control Vatic, but I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> and also, the changelings didn't lose anybody to Starfleet. We they ultimately got cured. Yeah, I sh- uh, yeah, they didn't lose it, uh, unless I'm misremembering something. Like I don't remember that many changelings dying. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, unless I'm forgetting something, I don't remember it happening. I don't, no, I think your memory on this point is spot on, Sabriel. And mm-hmm. I don't understand that line. I also would like to see, even if it was like in a flashback, I don't I don't think Borg queens generally have flashbacks, but I would love to see that initial encounter between the Borg and the Changelings, mm-hmm. like who initiated it? And like, and was it a detente? I don't know how to say that word. Like, I... It's sort of the, the enemy of my enemy kind of thing. Like, I were the Borg and the Changelings fighting each other, and they were like, you know what? We each have a greater foe. Let's call a truce. I don't know. I'd, I would just love to read that backstory in a novel somewhere. Oh, recapturing the Titan. They use a little transporter gun, and they're like, oh, hey, you might have invented the thing that they're going to use in Discovery. The portable <laughs> beam me up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, when they were shooting those uh, cadets, I wasn't clear what was happening. I thought maybe the cadets were beaming away as opposed to allowing themselves to be shot. And then when they explained what was happening, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Good job, Rafi. Yeah, I was a little confused at first. And then I'm kind of like, okay, they're be- I was pretty sure. I was like, but the first half of that bridge, you know, I could think they're beaming them. I was like, I'm not sure what's going on. Are they beaming themselves away? Uh, but then I'm like, okay, I think our crew is the one doing the beaming. Uh, yeah. And then they showed us. And I was like, that was not clear at first. Um, yeah, I agree. And and since we're jumping around a little bit, one other thing I forgot was one of my favorite scenes was when LaForge said to Crusher, I didn't have time to work on the weapon, so you're going to have to do it manually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to mention this. I forgot. That was so cool. <laughs> and she just devastated the surface of the board cube. And everybody on the bridge, which is only three people at this point, stop and look at her. And she's like, a lot's happened in the last 20 years. Because <laughs> she's <laughs> a doctor. I mean, I know that she passed the test to be a commander and she can control the ship. But you generally don't expect somebody with a Hippocratic Oath to have that mastery of weapons. <laughs> a lot of stuff's happened. I like this side of Crusher. She, I didn't feel like she was a very strong character the rest of the season. But that one scene was awesome. Um, plus, uh, oh, oh, oh. Um, I concur. Finish your thought there. And then also got to see Troy doing some fancy flying, saving the Enterprise from crashing and getting him out and all that stuff. Um, uh, basically, she didn't crash the ship. I think her honor was redeemed for what happened in Viridian. Um, yeah. Wait, so when she did some flying, you're talking about when she knew where to find the four people yeah, on yeah, board? Yeah, cube? yeah, yeah. She's like, she took over to yeah, yeah. whatever she was doing. Yeah. So I've mentioned how I've been very emotional this entire season. And there were more tears this episode. Uh, one specific moment, not the only moment, but one specific moment was when Riker said to him, Zadi, I'll be waiting for you with our son. That was really hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, one. yeah, and I did not, like I predicted last week on this podcast that nobody was going to die. And that proved to be true. Well, you know, like except for the board queen and stuff. But there were moments like we mentioned with Worf getting shot. I knew that the four of them, that was too many people on the board cube to die. They were going to get saved somehow, but it doesn't change the fact that from their perspective, they had accepted their own death. Worf did. Like he said, there was one moment earlier today where I was worried we were actually going to survive, <laughs> you know, and Riker is saying goodbye to everybody, you know, and that stuff gets me, even though I, I know it's not true. They don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that line. That was fun. Uh, yeah, I, you know, other than Warp, I don't think I thought anyone was going to die. I didn't worry too much. No, it was just me. That's just me. Yeah. Um, I was afraid it was going to happen, but I wasn't really worried it was going to happen. I think there was a little too much levity in various moments, like the part where Riker said, do you even hear yourself? And also when Data was like, he said, you know, my gut tells me I can do this. You have to trust me. And they did. And then Deanna follows up with, why am I sensing enjoyment? <laughs> and then you just see this this smirk on Data's face because he's enjoying it. And his his hands were moving really fast and they were like crossing mm-hmm. each other like some sort of uh, hyper pianist. And yeah, for a song. Life what? forms. <laughs> um, all right. Should we get the last two thirds here and our, our last third? Our last third and our last third? Uh, I uh, well, a little bit more is 
the part where like, we talked about Picard jacking in and then talking to <laughs> Jack. Uh, uh-huh. That's I didn't mean for that play on words. This reminds me of the Robin Williams film, What Dreams May Come. Have you seen it? I did, but I think I fell asleep partway through. I don't remember anything. It's based on a book by Richard Matheson, and the movie is great, but it's also very dramatic, uh, like more so than it needs to be. And anyway, the end scene, spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen What Dreams May Come, is basically Robin Williams goes into hell to retrieve his wife's soul. And she refuses to leave because she's too trapped in her own depression. And so he says, fine, if you're not leaving, neither am I. So he chooses to stay in hell with her. And she snaps out of it. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm okay with punishing myself by letting me stay here. But I can't let the person I love, my husband, stay here. And she snaps out of it. And they both leave. And that kind of felt like what was happening here. Like Picard was saying, if you're not going, I'm not going either. And he gives him a hug. And Jack is like, he has all these flashbacks from the last week that he's known his dad. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, <gasps> comes up with a big breath like he's been drowning and he mm-hmm. saves everybody. Uh, I really thought that Jack, because he had said, hey, I'm going to go to the Borg Queen for answers and show her who I truly am. And I really thought that he was going to turn this around somehow and take control of the beacon. And that was, I was disappointed by how much Jack needed Jean-Luc to save him. You're all dead. Yeah. Manny just met. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I, I, I just don't have a lot of feelings toward Jack. <laughs> yeah. I, he's not my favorite and I don't blame the actor whatsoever. I thought he did a great job with it. I just, the character was too petulant for me, too brash. And I mean, granted, Brash can also describe Seven of Nine, but she has more experience. And so when she makes a Brash decision, it's informed by all that she has had in her life. And Jack, he's just a 20 to 25 year old nobody, really. And, you know, teenager is going to teenager. Yeah. Our 32 year old, 25 year old, or 20 year old. Oh, Jack got a field, or what? Went from. Cadet to Ensign in a year. Yeah. That's believable. Okay. Uh, lots of people do that. Um, I thought it was powerful when the when Jordy's daughter uh, became unassimilated and she started crying because like yeah. that is that is the appropriate reaction. <laughs> right. And Seven holding her very in a motherly like slash I understand exactly what you're going through. Yeah, I felt does. like I felt like there were a lot of hugs in this episode. And they were all very intentional, like Seven hugging Jordy's daughter, Jack getting hugged by Jean-Luc, and then at the end, Worf hugging Rafi. Like, Worf, personal space is a privilege, and he is not a hugger, and here he is initiating. Mm-hmm. You know, I really liked the hugs, because it wasn't casual, it was meaningful. I, I agree. I hadn't thought of it that way, and I agree. You know, we got to see... Admiral Tim Russ. Uh, yeah, this this is a scene where I actually reacted because I love Seven or Nine so much. Like this is the one that first really got me, got me. Um, just like seeing her get promoted, just right here in the feels. Oh, uh, got yeah. I honestly forgot that I had mentioned last week that it's like he's coming back, and somebody showed up. I was like, oh, that's right, forgot. <laughs> yeah, I really like this. I I didn't know that she was going to get promoted to captain. I did not see that coming. 
I was like, ah, she has to. I, I figured. I don't know. I mean, she was really divided. And last season, she seemed like she was ready to to quit. Was she even in Starfleet last season? Uh-uh. Um, no. She took control. She took command, basically, of the Titan in the last episode a little bit. But uh, And they were like, that chair looked good on you or something, something like that. Uh, when uh, Gerardi Borg was doing her thing, Seven basically kind of took over. That's right. That's right. Picard gave her a, a field commission in the final episode. Because I was trying to remember, Rios was in, was captain of the Titan. I was trying to remember who his number one was. But it wasn't Seven. How was Why Why was Seven even on that ship? Uh, everyone, uh, Seven had gotten there because a green thing in space appeared. And she went to go to check it out. And the Titan was there. That's and- right. Like, hey, why don't you come on board and get our plot going? She's like, That's right. You got it, old friend. Thanks, thanks for the reminder. I'd forgotten. <laughs> no problem. But yeah, it was it was nice to see Tuvok. Uh, it was nice to see one last uh, appearance of Captain Shaw, even after he died oh, in recording. It was nice yeah, to see so- Seven crying at his words. Um, I was talking to my friend Shaw, who's been on here before about that scene. It was like all the name dropping of Jane Way this season i thought she might make an appearance but knowing jerry ryan and kate mulgrew's past i'm like you know what two black and seven had a very close relationship as well i think this works even better (laughs) in my notes here i have walter koenig tim russ no admiral janeway (laughs) i was like yeah they they should not have mentioned her at all it was just a weird tease uh, and she's got her own show in Prodigy now, so that's true. Uh, so they they kept name dropping her, but I think it worked better with Tuvok. They had a close relationship. We even got to see Tuvok do a little smirk, um, uh, his little Vulcan smirk. Yes, um, uh, it was a beautiful scene. Uh, and seeing Shaw, like you mentioned, um, apparently Metallus said that he has ideas to get Shaw if on more shows if it comes to it, and he didn't clarify what that meant but uh he had ideas or something like that hmm weird and yeah i agree if admiral janeway had shown up i would have expected her primary interaction to be with picard a fellow admiral i would not expect janeway and seven to have a meaningful scene together yeah uh raffi you mentioned a hug with Worf. her family's talking to her after Worf leaked a bunch of news information about how much of a hero she is Uh, she finally gets to see her granddaughter Whoever leaked that data is a very honorable man. <laughs> I wonder who it was. They're really good. They didn't give me enough to go on. No, um, it's too no, subtle for me. A great little finale for that story. That's kind of building for all three years. Like our characters actually kept Laris. Um, got some finality, Laris. Uh, which I'm really happy that they got to have their finale. Unlike Laris, when Picard was in the collective talking to Jack, and he said how he was just waiting for himself to die on that vineyard because he thought part of him was broken or missing and he didn't realize that Jack was the part of him that was missing all along the family that he always wanted what was the whole second season about uh, to me I took that as everything up to the first season I didn't tie that to second season at all but I feel like Picard felt that he was still missing something up until he met Jack but I'm like you finally allowed yourself to be loved by Laris you finally open up that part of yourself and that still wasn't enough you still need a kid 
Uh, see, I, 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 didn't, I didn't. I was like, eh, I know what he means. See, but this... For a long time, he was just sitting there. And this last thing with Laris, this little fling with Laris, like, it was important to him. But he, he meant he was just trying to relate to Jack, not to. Oh, except for that one year. Uh... Was your word choice of fling deliberate? Uh, no, I was just. I mean, okay. I used it, but I meant, like, they had a thing. They had a thing. I still ship them. Well, right. I mean, they are a couple, Picard and Laris, and now this is going to be quite the wrinkle in their relationship when he shows them and is like, oh, by the way, I have a son. Oh, I don't think so. Laris is so laid back. I hope so, but... No. Uh, You know what's going to happen the next time the crew gets together? John Luke's going to be like, here's my girlfriend Beverly, and here's my girlfriend Laris, and my son Jack. (laughs) We need more than Dr. Phlox to demonstrate polyamory. That needs to be more evidenced in the future. Exactly. But I could I could see how discovering Jack is in his life could reconnect him with Beverly. And maybe they're just co-parents or maybe they rekindle a flame, which they clearly had. Yeah, I don't think they're going to rekindle, but we're never going to know. <laughs> nope. No, we won't. Um, uh, Dado working through things with Troy. Uh, neat. I mean, this is kind of a neat little scene. I like how she's like he's already an over, hour over, so at this point she's just looking at vacation ideas mm-hmm. uh, and not actually. <laughs> and Riker comes in and asks if he's still bat crazy. Yeah, I was gonna say that. But I was like, I don't want to make you have to bleep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was funny. On the other hand, you know, mental health. You know, going to see a therapist doesn't make you crazy. So, but it was funny um, because it's data, it and. Uh, that Dita actually had the opportunity to talk about feelings and he definitely needs uh Shar said he needs a new cat and I said yes someone to talk to about his feelings when Deanna's not available yes he needs another spot I agree mm-hmm. um so it took them a year to put the Enterprise D back into the museum mm-hmm. you know because it said one year later and that's when they decommissioned her again I wonder what the ship was doing in that year uh making it all spick and span they had to clean off all the uh, crash damage from um meridian three they had to polish it up all that jazz i don't know it looked pretty good when it was flying around this last episode oh you gotta watch closer uh, <laughs> oh did it escape uh, from the board cube with a few scuffs on them oh no it, even before it went in there it was still this beat up state it was just flyable <laughs> oh i didn't even notice that okay uh-huh. oh uh the logo intro changed uh the little trek logo that they put on the front it was the Enterprise D and then the Borg cube and then the Borg assimilated the logo. So there have been subtle changes throughout the season. Sometimes you could see the Shrike in the background. Oh, I missed that. That's cool. This week was the least subtle change, but you're right. It uh-huh. was very noticeable. Uh, that was neat. Um, um, but when, when, that- they were, when they were decommissioning the Enterprise D and uh-huh. Major Barrett's voice comes on and Riker says, I miss that voice. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't talking about the computer voice. We all miss Majel Barrett. And I was reminded of the final episode of Cheers, where as Sam is walking back to his office, he straightens that picture that used to hang in Coach's room. And that was his mm-hmm. nod to that actor who passed away. Yeah. Sweet little thing. Yeah. Uh, when they rechristened the Titan, what name did you think was going to appear when they came up over the bow? The USS Picard. Yeah, so did I. I was like, I was like 75% Picard. 25% Enterprise. And, uh... Nope, it was Enterprise G. <laughs> Which makes no sense to me, because they said, like, oh, we know you don't like fanfare. I was like... So that implies to me it's named after him. It would also be 
fitting with the name of the show because then you could like we had Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Enterprise. It's always the name of the ship. And so you could do another season of Picard without the character because now it's about the ship, the USS Picard. <laughs> and I, I don't understand why they didn't do that. I don't understand what happened to the Enterprise F. Oh, that ship, the Enterprise F, the Frontier Day ceremony was its de- decommissioning. It was in service for like 10, 15 years. That was its decommissioning? Uh-huh. I missed that. Was, uh, did they say that? Um. I- I think it was mentioned in the show, but then also, if you might remember two months ago, I mentioned also this cool little thing on Instagram, I think Twitter, called Star Trek Logs. Yep. Uh, they talked about um, how the Enterprise E uh, stopped Borg from printing first content. The Vulcan's final mission, classified. And then it went to the F, Odyssey class, launched in whatever, um, committed by several captains, 15 for the last 15 years. Um, scheduled for decommissioning after critical systems were compromised during the Monfet Gambit, whatever that is. And then, um, uh, and then it goes in the last line of it is Enterprise S final flight will be on display during this year's Frontier Day. Ah, well, thank you for clarifying that because I had misunderstood either something I read online or something that came up in this podcast. I thought Admiral Shelby was debuting the Enterprise F. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of this week's episode, I was like, oh that ship had a very short life. It was only in service for either one year or it got destroyed on frontier day. And we somehow missed that or because Shelby died. They're like, Oh, that ship is off to a bad start. Let's just skip that one. The enterprise F was actually turned out to be like one of the longest running enterprises. Huh? And we never saw a single, we only saw a good one minute of it. (laughs) Do we know who the captain was? Uh, It just had several captains. Okay. Which makes sense because at all. You know, for, and we had Robert April, Christopher Pike, and Captain Kirk. So, sure, that makes right. sense. Uh, Enterprise, uh, the first one might have been not, not the NX one hundred seven hundred one. Might be in the only other ship to rival the length in service. Hmm. And not only did the ship get rechristened, but it got seven of nine as a captain. Uh huh. I love that. Uh, a thief, a pirate, and a spy have their own ship. Yeah, I love it. Now imagine that it is the year 2001 it's 22 years ago voyager has just gone off the air and i tell you seven of nine is going to be captain of the next enterprise like (laughs) oh yeah that's fanfic that's never going to happen and here we are 22 years later and our former borg who was retrieved from the collective in the two-part episode scorpion is now like captain picard's successor on the enterprise Uh, that's pretty awesome it is unpredictable, unlikely, and awesome. I was rereading an interview with Jerry Ryan from the other, uh, a few days ago, and she's like, she never thought she was going to play Seven and Nine ever again. She was done with Star Trek. She, that character kind of was bad, lots of bad memories for her between the, the sex outfits and uh, her relationship with Kate Mulgrew. She was ready to be over with it. Uh, and then they approached her for Picard. And she's like, and with their ideas. And she's like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, she liked I'm, what they had to say, and I'm so glad for it. I'm glad she got over her reasonable objections, uh, because what they've done with this character in the last three seasons is amazing. And uh-huh. when you talk about potential spinoffs, this is one that I want to see. I don't know what yeah. they're going to call it. I love that she's Captain Seven of Nine, not Captain mm-hmm. Hansen. Um, 
yeah uh you know i want to talk about the bar scene but since we're currently on the enterprise let's talk about a little bit out of order there was a sequence at the end where jack oh. is unpacking in his cabin yeah. yeah i did not expect that i did not expect q to show up i did not expect it and i did not like it that's <laughs> a shot the same reaction i loved it why didn't you like it and i'll tell you what i told Shar. what i, I, I were t- gonna say uh, well, I have two reasons. <laughs> I don't know what Shar said, so I'm going to give you two. So I, one of them, I hope, is unique. One is Star Trek Picard, season one, final episode. They kill Data. Okay. So Star Trek Picard, season two, final episode. They kill Q. Star Trek Picard, season three. They bring back Data and Q. <laughs> Deaths are meaningless in this That's, show, and I don't like that. That has always been the case in the Star Trek. I know, I know, but... I especially don't like it. And when they bring them back so soon. And the other reason I don't like it is because <sighs> we've only had three seasons of Picard and the Borg were the villain in basically all of them. <laughs> uh-huh. And Q was the villain in like two of them. I know I'm exaggerating with his final appearance, but like, I just, I know that Picard by definition is all about the callbacks and the fan service, but can we set up something original, please? <laughs> I mean, Jack has no history with Q. Jack has a history of wanting to assimilate the entire human race. Let's see how he works through that. He's the one who should be talking to Counselor Troy. Right. I guess we don't know. <laughs> um, All right. So what did Char say? That's what I was just pulling up. Char basically is like, felt like uh, at that point anyway, it kind of made his death meaningless in season two or whatever his version of death is. And... um. I uh, had said, um, of course, now I can't find the, that conversation, so I'm just going to recap best I can off the top of my head. Um, even though a big part of Q's goodbye in season two was some version of whatever's coming next for him, I don't think his goodbye really revolved around that. I think it was more of a just a goodbye to John Luke. Hmm. Uh, basically to me his quote-unquote death even if it was the plot point of everything really mattered in the end uh to make us care about this thing with q and john luke i Hmm. think it was just a goodbye so to me it didn't cheapen his quote-unquote death or something like it um i was like all right on to the next adventure um uh, we don't know what death is for q's and even as he said I, i was like this is a very cute thing to say he thinks so literally I thought, the next gener- I thought the next generation would uh, not think so literally, linear, in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> Linearly. There we go. Linearly. Uh, the Q we saw here might not have died yet, you know, because right. he exists beyond time. And so I, I get that. But he said how gods have favorites and Picard has always been one of his. But if he wants to say goodbye to Picard, why insert himself into his son's life? Uh, he's done with Jean-Luc I don't think he is because Jack is now going to go to dad and say hey I just saw Q and Picard's like what I thought he was done with us no he's just going to say be careful (laughs) yeah he's not going to do anything he's not going to say Q and shake his fist up in the air he's just going to say Jack I have just one lesson be careful when it comes to Q and uh, 
he means well, but he's an idiot. <laughs> Shall we talk about the scene in 10 forward? Uh, let's see. Oh, transporter to purge the Borg infection. Apparently it was kind of a nod back to Pulaski being cured of the old age virus, which is kind of, yep. I never, I, I never would have made a connection until someone else said it. Uh, yep. Uh, seven of nines hit it slash engage slash let's ride. I can tell you exactly what it is. How do you know? Because it's just a very seven thing to say. What she say? Now commence. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Uh, I like that they built it up because they did the same thing with Saru in Discovery. And he tried various ones. And he's like, execute. We're like, (laughs) what? what? Really? Uh, Yeah, it's become the joke in all the Star Treks now. Is to have a thing. I think Boimler even had to worry about it too. <laughs> correctly. Um, Let's fly. And we got to see what was it? Rikers was like, I was like, and jazz it up or something like that in seven, eight or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember exactly, but uh, they all had their thing. And you could see Jerry Ryan's face giggling when she just was a, ah, and I'm sure she said something goofball like space balls or something like that. But um, uh, right when they cut away, engagement is futile. <laughs> Apparently the point of order, she wanted to steal the captain's chair so much because she would spin and spin and spin because it spun so easily, apparently. She loved that captain's chair so much. So, um, Wow, I had no idea she was so childish. And I mean <laughs> that's a compliment. Who doesn't love a spinny chair? I don't blame her whatsoever. No. <laughs> no, I love her too. Okay. Uh, saying toast to each other in Guinan's bar when they didn't even bring back Guinan. Yeah, they mentioned right her. Yep. That was frustrating. But, you know, the whole... There have been so many manufactured scenes with just the seven of them. Yeah. Okay, but Guinan's been side-eyeing us for the last half hour. I'm like, come on, get Whoopi Goldberg over here and just say, hey. You know, if they had Whoopi Goldberg and Will Wheaton, then they could say that the other seven people that we've been focusing on are seven of nine. Ah. Uh, Sorry. I I love this scene. Why? It was fun. It was nice little, and the ending was a nice little homage to the all good things. Um, it was just fun to see them banter and BS with each other. And yeah, toast. and there once was a woman from Venus. We'll never get to hear Data finish that Nantucket limerick or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, we'll, and, but I loved Picard's quote from Julius Caesar. I figured that was Shakespeare as soon as he started talking. I figured it was. I didn't look it up. I got Shakespeare. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something Brutus said. Uh, it was very fitting. And, you know, watching this episode, I didn't have any expectations of how it was going to end. And if they had not ended with playing poker, then I think a day or a week later, I would have thought, I'm disappointed that they didn't end that way. It would not have occurred to me at the time, but eventually it would have hit me and it would have seemed incomplete. And so the fact that they did that, it fulfilled a need I didn't know I had. And I really like that. It was also probably the longest cut in the entire Picard series. Right. Just kind of spinning and spinning and spinning. Yeah, because so many scenes are chop, chop, chop. And this one was just let them play for as long as they want. And we'll just keep filming. And I liked that. I liked that a lot. Um, and this is also actually another reason why I didn't like the scene between Jack and Q. This is my third reason. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted the series to end with them playing poker, just like in All Good Things. Uh uh uh. Not the after little teaser. Yeah, yeah, that was not the time and place for it. I thought. Oh. 
but yeah, it was great to see everybody back together and I'm glad that they are happy and healthy and well. And, you know, one of the, my favorite series finales ever was cheers because I felt like, you know, well, to contrast that, I'll briefly go on a tangent with Seinfeld Seinfeld. I mean, those characters never grew in all the years they were on the show, and I hated that. And they ultimately got punished for being who they were. They were thrown in jail. Whereas with Cheers, I felt like everybody got rewarded, and we had the sense that everybody was going to be okay. We weren't going to see them anymore because the show was over, but they were going to be okay. And I kind of feel like that's true for this show as well. Like, well, you know, the, the Rikers will never get their son back, of course, but I feel like they're moving toward a place of healing. And they're together again, and they're talking. Data's alive. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I like what this show, I like where the show brought everybody. Yeah, we got some good finality. Uh, better than Nemesis ever could have done. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a really interesting word choice you just used, finality. Sometimes it means like the end of something, and it, in Nemesis, that meant somebody's death. Like, there's no more of that character. And this episode, it's also a finality because we're not going to see any more of those characters. But there's also a continuation. And I, I like that there is continuation, just finality of our awareness of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so let's uh, rank the seasons of Picard. Oh, okay. Uh... Backwards order, one, two, three for me. How about you? We can expand on it in a minute. So it's three, two, one. Seasons three, two, one. My order. Or best to best. Oh, oh yes. Uh, definitely three is the, is the best. Absolutely. There were a couple of weak moments. I think episode seven and ten uh, may have, could have been a little bit stronger. But the other eight episodes were really good. What? May I add a comment, adding to what you just said about what someone else re- regarded the season as? I thought it was interesting. I made sure to save this comment so I could share it with you. Because um, uh, it sounds like you could have written this. Uh, the entire season of Picard was like a blanket you had since childhood. Is it the best blanket ever made? No. Would you trade it for any other blanket in the world? Not in your life. <laughs> I like blankets. No, that's a great comment. And, you know, it, I watched the uh, season three, episode nine with my friend Peter. Uh-huh. And I asked him afterward, did you like it? And he said, I genuinely don't know how to answer that. I mean, it's Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Of course I liked it. Uh-huh. More granularity than that? I don't know. I like, if you're asking me, you know, you shouldn't be asking me if I liked it. You should be asking me how I liked it. And I'm like, yeah, like this is, these are the characters I grew up with and they're all alive and well again. And what more could somebody ask for? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really, I, I, I know I haven't seasons one and two, but honestly, in retrospect, like they're kind of on the same level for me. I didn't care about uh, Romulan bad dudes in the first season. Ra- a lot of the cast was wasted in season two. Like, like I mentioned before, Rios, this is plot point. Um, Really, if he would have showed up, things would have worked out better. Uh, not necessarily for the characters, but in the story-wise, like like everything would have actually worked. Um, <laughs> um, seasons one and two had some serious problems, but they led to what we got here. 
And I liked elements of seasons one and two. But this is the best three was my favorite. Absolutely. There were far more moments in season three where I was gasping, shouting, crying. Uh, seasons two, season two, especially the middle six episodes. That's just like, okay, come on, whatever. Really? Like we had Gerardi eating car batteries. <laughs> you know, that's, I don't need that in Star Trek. Come on. But season one. Yeah. There was a lot of wasted time. Like, on the artifact, which was the board cube. And like, mm-hmm. there was a romance happening between a Romulan and an Android. And then we have seven of nine becoming a board queen only to crash the cube. Good job. Seven. Yeah. I don't know. Just so many missed opportunities in the first two seasons. And they introduced all these characters that we ultimately got rid of for season three. Like we didn't see Elnor or the Android woman whose name I already forgot. Uh, Dodge or so. Dodge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, like, Elnor was totally in, uh, was totally Borgified, and we right. forgot to see it. Right, like was he on the Excalibur when it was destroyed? We don't know. Was he under twenty five? We, I don't know. I don't know how old Romulans are, mm-hmm. but yeah, I feel like they spent a lot of time building up characters that none of us really wanted to see, and that's not a slam on the characters. Like mm-hmm. you know, the actor who played Elnor did a great job. Elnor is an interesting character. But they're not why we watch a show called Star Trek Picard. Right. Right. Um, you know what? I know I was upset about all these characters not coming back for season three. I don't know what they would have done. And I think I knew that going into it. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> so I'm still disappointed that we got to know these characters for two seasons. And they just kind of. I mean, we didn't even have Soji in season two, except for the very first episode. Uh, we had um, Korra, um, but it wasn't her. Um, we didn't have Laris in season two, really. Uh, and we had, so the front, well, we had the cap we had, front cap. We had the actor who played Laris feature prominently yep. in season two. Yep, but we didn't have Lar- We barely had Laris. We didn't have these characters that we were introduced to. We got new ones of a few people. And I was like, we barely had Elnor. We killed him off, too, until he was yep. brought back. Yep. I'm just like, man, like, I know what you're going for then. All right, cool story, bro. But in retrospect, I'm like, man, see what we could have had. And uh, yeah, so three is my favorite. One and two probably tied for roughly, but equal to me. Yeah, I think I may have liked season one a little bit more because it had so much potential. And it really, I feel like it focused on the Picard character in a way that made sense. Like there was one scene in particular where he want to divert to the planet where Elnor was and Rafi was trying to get him not to. And Picard said, I'm old. I may never come this way again. And just that one scene has informed some of my travels. Cause I've been on the road for the last four years. Mm-hmm. And last week I had dinner with a friend of mine. I hadn't seen in 20 years. And at the end of the evening, I didn't verbalize this to him, but it occurred to me, if this is how often we see each other, then I may never see you again. Like, I'm glad I got to see you tonight because who knows if I'll ever come this way again. And if I don't, then tonight is goodbye. You know, and you know, Picard put that into words for me in the first season and really made me more aware of it. And so I value the first season because it was a fascinating look at the last years of a person's life. Because he did die at the end of that season. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know? 
and we got to see him bring back Riker and Troy and have those touching moments together. And we didn't really get that with season two. Like characters didn't come back in season two. We had Brent Spiner playing like evil old him and Will Wheaton briefly showed up, which was cool. But yeah. So now that I'm thinking about it, I would rank them three, one, two. Yeah. The, yeah, the seasons best or worst. Um, season three being the worst in, in Gainus. <laughs> there was uh all we got was uh Worf saying when when Seven and Rafi are having their little hey, hey, Rafi Worf's made a comment one off comment, like I have dealt with people or worked with people who had a breakup before or something like that. And so uh yeah. I'm glad uh they got to be get married and then still be officer the first officer and captain. That's my do canon. We, do we know that's, Oh, that's your canon. canon. Okay. <laughs> Well, it kind of remind me of the Oroville, where you have a husband and ex-wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> so hopefully they have put their marital issues aside and they get along. I'm glad well they me. have. I'm glad they made it that good last third of the episode was all about how them getting married and being happy together and having adopted uh, Seven meeting her new uh, step-grandchild and, and all these good times. Uh-huh. <laughs> Headcanon is a wonderful thing. Real canon. Uh, very, I mean, there there well. was a post-credit scene. Anyway, uh, post, post, right. post-credit scene. Um it's called it's on archive of our own stay tuned yep. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this is the spinoff i want to see uh again unfortunately it'll mean that jack will be back but i just want to see more <laughs> of captain seven beautifully said yes uh they yeah. can just drop him off at the first spaceport i mean given the history the picard series has for introducing characters and then next season forgetting them why not mm-hmm. uh, yeah just write him off like cara dune in star wars <laughs> <laughs> So anything else about Picard? Good. It was good. Good. Yeah, I'm uh, glad that I'm glad that they gave us back our childhood blanket. And, and Enterprise the new constitution class grew on me. <laughs> Just wait, like Shaw. A- no, no, no. The very first episode was like, I do not like this ship. It is not oh. attractive to me at all. It is not neat. And just like Shaw, how he grew on me through the first whole season, so did that class of ship. Yeah, I didn't like the Enterprise F, but the Titan. That's a, is that a different class? Uh, the F was an Odyssey. Odyssey. G Titan. Right, and the Titan is a what class? Oh God, it was a Constitution, new Constitution class. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. The Enterprise F did not do it for me. The G is a little bit better. I still miss the D, of course, and I wish that we had gotten to see the D for longer this season. Like they really only brought it back in time for one episode and they only rebuilt the one set, which is more than we ever should have expected. Cause I'll tell you, like I told you last time, I was very surprised. I didn't know this was coming back. And now that's been back. I wish we were like, let's get some fillers for what happened in that one year between when they brought it back mm-hmm. and when it was decommissioned again. Not going to lie. Part of me was looking at the panels in the back wall to see if they ever had randomly placed black squares over the cons- the controls and consoles like they had in the, in the actual show. Because um, when, when you know about that and how they had to use black squares on those panels so to hide lighting, you will never unsee it. And so part of me was kind of looking and wait, watching and see if they actually put any on, but I didn't see any. <laughs> well, you may know that on the original TNG show, they had to add in those displays in post so the uh-huh. the the actors are just looking at blank screens right right and uh, but on this show they were actually able to use digital displays so the actors were uh-huh. seeing it in real time 
which is cool. Yeah. I was like totally watching for that because I was just like, I'm a I'm a fiend for these things. And so I was like, oh, that's an actual a monitor and not just a plexiglass thing with like. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the end of Picard and Transporter Lock will be back in about a month and a half. We generally only air episodes of the podcast when there are episodes of Star Trek and Strange New World season two debuts June 15th. Yeah. So you and I get about seven weeks off. <laughs> All right. Time to cancel your Paramount Plus subscription for a month. <laughs> That's true. I have, well, you know, I wish they would do short treks. And that's kind of where I was going with hoping that they fill in that one year of the Enterprise D. They haven't done short treks in a while because they have so much content now that they just expect you to stick around. But even if that was the reason they were creating it, I still like the little morsels of information, especially when it wove into season two of Discovery. Well, Sabriel, it's been a delight watching another season of Picard with you. Yes. Until next time. One will now commence. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. Okay, we are off to the races. You're not giving me the da 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 da. Oh, sorry. My bad. Hello, and welcome to Transporter Lock. <laughs> uh, you better keep that in now. Um, <laughs> you're Captain. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm your host, Captain Sabriel Masson, and join with me, as always, usually sometimes, my co host, Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. Hello, Ken. Hello, Captain Sabriel. We, here we are at the end of the road not taken. Uh, yes, and we are on the holodeck with the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you keep that in now. Okay, uh, we are... 